folks, the Stanley Cup playoffs start day. And round one, the Carolina Hurricanes are taking on the Boston Bruins. In today's episode, I am joined by Ian McLaren of Locked on Bruins. Your Locked On Hurricanes, your daily podcast on the Carolina Hurricanes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Kaniacs. I'm your host, Jared Ellis, and you're listening to Locked On Hurricanes on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'd like to thank you for making Locked On Hurricanes your first listen of this Monday afternoon and your first listen of the Stanley Cup playoffs. As I said in the cold open in today's episode, I am joined by Ian from Locked On Bruins. We preview this matchup between the Hurricanes and the Bruins. It's been the third series between these two teams since the 2019 playoffs. So we've seen a lot of each other in recent memory, but this is the first crossover we've had with Locked On Bruins. So I do hope you enjoy that. But in the meantime, make sure you follow Locked On Hurricanes on Twitter and Instagram at LO underscore Hurricanes. Myself on Twitter at Jared Ellis underscore 96. Rate the show five stars on whatever streaming platform you are listening on. And subscribe to the show on YouTube, and I will not keep you any longer. Enjoy this crossover series preview with Locked On Bruins. All right, Ian. So I got an important question for you uh, because I've talked about this multiple times throughout the year, but it feels like over the past you know two seasons, but this one especially. It feels like we're in that kind of era, like the changing of the guard type thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, for so long you know, in the Eastern Conference, you had Boston, Pittsburgh, and Washington. Those were yeah. the three top dogs. And for, shoot, you know, better part of a decade, it actually longer, you know, if you really think about it. Uh, yeah. But it feels like, you know, this year and, Again, the past couple years, you know, you've kind of really seen that start to change. But this year, you know, with the playoffs and just where everyone fell, mm-hmm. it felt like, you know, it really is that time. You know, you're, the Bruins, Penguins, Capitals, they're getting older. Uh, the Bruins and Capitals are your two wild cards. The yeah. Penguins squeaked in at that three spot in the Metro, given – all the teams had over 100 points of the season, so it's not like they just got into the playoffs or anything like that, but or they had a bad season. But do you feel that is kind of coming to fruition now? I mean, yeah, it certainly seems like it. Those three teams probably, you know, they've been uh, led by guys who have been in the league since before – in Boston's case, before the uh, the shootout era began, Ovechkin, Crosby came in kind of right at that time, Malkin as well. So, yeah, these guys have been around for like 20, almost 
seasons now and just time catches up to you, right? And and these teams have been led by Ovechkin, Crosby, Malkin, Bergeron, those guys. We've already seen a bunch of 2003 draft picks retiring lately. You know, I think Eric Stahl was in that one, the, the longtime mm-hmm. Hurricanes guy, and, and he's been gone for a couple of years now. So, yeah, just the way the sport evolves and um, cycles of success, it's only a matter of time before these teams maybe take a backseat to some others that have been building here for for a few years, like the Hurricanes, who, you know, been building for quite a quite a few years now and really seem to be on the the cusp of of success hopefully not this year but maybe next year <laughs> and you mentioned that cycle of success and you know the Bruins are an older team do you feel they still have enough left in the tank to one not only win this series but have a good run again do you feel that that is a legitimate possibility or is that just wishful thinking no, I think it is. You know, you look at Patrice Bergeron, there's some questions about whether he's going to play beyond this season. But if you look at his numbers this year, uh, his defensive numbers, he's been putting up like the best performance of his career, arguably. I think he's going to win the Selkie Trophy. He's going to break the record set by Bob Gainey of, of four, uh, four wins. And he is playing as good as he ever has, which is pretty scary uh, in some ways. And um, they have been able to, you know, there were so many new faces that came in for the Bruins this year. Um, New goalies, uh, a few new defensemen, a few new forwards. uh, Kind of a mixed bag early on, but Bruce Cassidy, around that COVID break, he really found a good mix. And I think that... Um, the way the Bruins have been playing, I think they were they're a top five team since January 1st in the NHL. And um, I think it's still possible that they could be able to make a deep run uh, this year. Their underlying numbers are all really strong. They're a top five team when it comes to, you know, shot attempts, uh, high danger chance, differential, expected goals, all those fancy stats. Uh, so I, I think they could very well, you know, they're coming in as an underdog, uh, but I think they do match up pretty well against uh, against the Hurricanes, despite, you know, being wildly outmatched <laughs> during the regular season in the three games that they did play. Yeah, if I remember correctly, they're outscored, I think, 16-1 to one or something That's like right, that. You yeah. got one goal on us in the regular season, <laughs> yeah. but I saw this stat earlier Uh, a couple days ago, and I thought it was really interesting because with this series now, the Bruins become the team that the Hurricanes have played the most in Mm. the playoffs since they've relocated to Raleigh. Uh, And if I remember correctly, it's five times we played each other, and obviously in the ones, you know, way back, and that really has no bearing you know, on mm. this series, I guess you would say it's just a fun little fact. I Shoot, you guys were the first team we ever played in the playoffs when we were still in Greensboro when uh, PNC Arena was still getting oh, wow, built. Yeah. Uh, but you look at the two most recent ones, the 18-19 conference final and then mm-hmm. the, uh, the bubble. 
I get. I don't know if you want to call that the first round, second round, because you had the qualifying round as well. Yeah, it was like that was the first round. Yeah, right. but yeah, you know, in those series, yeah, you know, the Bruins were the more experienced, frankly, better team, mm-hmm. and now the Hurricanes have you know, years under their belt. Well, they're young guys. You know, they're core. They have years under their belt. They have a good right. mix of veteran talents, you know, like Jordan Stahl, like Jacob Slavin, like Ian Cole, um, Derek Stepan. They have some really good veteran guys, and you have your core guys like Sebastian Ajo, Andre Svechikov, Tavo Teravainen, Jacob Slavin again. But <laughs> right. And then you also have, yeah, your rookies there as well. You know, like Seth Jarvis, yeah, it's his rookie year. You have Pyotr Kochechkov, uh, which, yeah, we'll see, you know, what, happens with him in the playoffs yeah. so if he's going to play or if, uh freddie anderson's going to be back uh but it feels like the hurricanes they're now like ready to get over that hump that is the boston bruins in the playoffs right. many years ago it was the new jersey devils that they couldn't get past they couldn't get that monkey off their back but this year it feels like you know the way they played each other in the regular season i feel given playoffs are a different breed entirely of course right. But it feels like the Hurricanes, they have what it takes this year. And, you know, coming from the opposition, how do you feel uh, the Hurricanes fare in this matchup? Yeah, I mean, it kind of goes back to what we were just talking about with, like, these cycles, right? Is it going to be the Bruins with all this experience, having beat the Hurricanes a couple times recently in the playoffs, kind of knowing how to get the job done and doing it again? Or is it going to be the Hurricanes, you know, so much promise, so much talent, kind of finally breaking through it? It's a big conversation, uh, you know, heading into the final night of the regular season. There was a big, you know, would the Bruins move up to third in the Atlantic and play the Maple Leafs? Same conversation in Toronto for the Leafs fans, like wanting to get past the Bruins who beat them um, a couple times as well. Mm-hmm. Um so that's yeah, it's gonna be super interesting. I think the I think the Bruins um yeah, they didn't match up well at all with the Hurricanes in the regular season. That was a bit of a different team that we're seeing heading into the playoffs. They did make some additions at the trade deadline. Um they are really you know, I mentioned before that Bergeron uncertainty. They're really kind of built right now to do whatever they can to try to win one more time or at least do a deep run one more time, at least for Patrice Bergeron. And, um, you know, whether or not they can, um, you know, looking back at those other playoffs, there's a lot of guys who are missing from those rounds, the core guys that have been there for the Bruins. Basically, it's only uh, Bergeron and Brad Marchand that are still around, you know, Chara's gone. He was in that uh, bubble series in the conference finals, obviously. Um, Tori Krug's gone. Tuka Rask is gone. David Krejci's gone. Those are all guys that helped them that were integral to their success. And now you're relying on some some other guys that have been brought in. So it's going to be really interesting to see how those guys uh, step up and um, whether or not they can get the job done. I Really, it's, it's kind of a toss-up. Uh, at this point, but um, 
the way the Bruins have been playing heading into this final stretch and their underlying numbers, I do think that they they can get the job done against the Hurricanes again this time around. Yeah, uh, it it's going to be a very fun series to mm-hmm. watch for sure. There's obviously a lot of question marks on both sides. Yeah, and but you know if you're a betting man uh, on this stuff. <laughs> Of this series, your underlying numbers for the Bruins, for the Hurricanes, whatever it may be, betonline.net has you covered. Betonline.net is, of course, the number one spot for all of your sports betting news and info from league reviews to esports and more. And BetOnline, they're here just in time for the hockey playoffs, basketball playoffs. Start of the major league baseball season, like I said, esports and so much more. BetOnline.net has you covered for all of the action heading into this playoff series. Whether it's how many goals Sebastian Ajo is going <laughs> to score, uh, how many assists Tavo Teravina is going <laughs> to get because he is an assist machine, or if you're a Boston Bruins fan, what is Patrice Bergeron going to do? What is Brad Marchand going to do? BetOnline.net has you covered for whatever it may be. So go check out betonline.net on your computer or mobile device right now, betonline.net, where the game starts. Very nice, Jared. Very nice. So let's shift the conversation to the – well, first let me remind or thank everybody for making Locked on Bruins and Locked on Hurricanes their first listens every day. Keep subscribing. Check out the Locked on Now podcast. I'm assuming we're going to keep going with that through the uh, through the playoffs. You can get nightly recaps from all the local hosts in the playoffs. Um, my big question for you, Jared, heading into this series, is the Hurricanes goaltending. I know there's some injury concerns there with, uh, with Freddie Anderson. Uh, the Bruins have experience going up against Anderson in the playoffs when he was a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs and um, certainly were able to get the better of him in Game 7s. Is he going to be ready for the series? Uh, You know, he should mention he's been excellent this year. I think he'll be a Vesna Trophy finalist at the very least, possibly a winner. Uh, Seems like a big loss. If he can't play, at least, you know, in game one, um, what's his status and what's kind of the backup plan for the Hurricanes if, if he can't go? So as of right now, there hasn't been an official word on him. There's been, you know, talked about that he's going to be ready to go, but there hasn't been an official word coming out from the team. So looks like he'll be ready to go, but we don't know for sure. Uh, okay. So... That's one I think we'll – I mean, we haven't heard any official word right now, and we're recording this on Sunday afternoon. So Great. maybe we'll see something later tonight, early tomorrow morning. But honestly, if we don't hear anything, probably by lunchtime tomorrow, I would probably say he's going to be a no-go for at least mm-hmm. game one. And as far as the backup plan goes for that, Auntie Ranta, he is – healthy and ready to go he went down with injury as well but he's ready to go and he played in the regular season finale had a great game and 
we also have Peter Kochetkov. And, mm. you know, our rookie that came up from the AHL. He, I think he's finally starting to settle in. His okay. first two games, I think nerves were kind of getting there and, you know, getting the best of him. Yeah, he obviously won those games. But I think is a little nervous maybe, you know, because it's a big jump, you know, from the AHL to the NHL. And, of course, if you go back to the beginning of the year, he was in the KHL. So oh, wow. he's – He's had a very busy year this year, and I think nerves may have gotten to him a little bit there. But uh, you look at his third game against the New York Rangers, absolutely dominating that team, and it being a really, really good team. Not a you know, no knock against you know the bottom of the league teams, you know, because mm-hmm. they are NHL teams. They're talented to some extent, but you know, it was against a playoff team, a top level team, a team that was that close to making a run at winning the Metro division. Oh, well, so yeah. he really, you know, was coming into his own. He looked like he was really settling in. And I think, you know, should he get, you know, a start or two in the playoffs? I think, you know, we'll be all right. I think right. defense wise. Yeah. They may have to step it up a little bit. You know, it's not Auntie Ronson. It's not Frederick Anderson in there, mm. but I think we'll be all right. You know, you look at last year, Alex Ndokovic, rookie goaltender stepping in, yeah. going off last year, having better numbers than your Vesna winner. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, he was a Calder finalist. And then if you go back <laughs> years and years, rookie goaltender that won us the Stanley Cup, Cam Ward, it's not unheard of it for it to happen if a rookie just go off. And mm-hmm. I, I would like Freddie Anderson to come back, be ready to go just for that security blanket because of how good he's been this year. Right. But at the end of the day, I think yeah, if we don't have him you know, to start this series, I think we'll be all right. Mm-hmm. I also wanted to ask about kind of expectations for the Hurricanes this season. We, we've talked about like these cycles of success. This current Hurricanes team hasn't quite been able to kind of break through, uh, although they did obviously go to the conference finals in 2019. Uh, but... You know, I look at a team like the Maple Leafs up here. They have a lot of expectations. If they falter again, you know, kind of heads could roll, per se. Uh, if the Hurricanes aren't able to beat the Bruins, would that be seen as uh, as a massive failure? Or would it be just kind of accepted as another step along the growing process? Or kind of what are the expectations for, for, the, for this Hurricanes club? So I think it, I mean, it's not going to be like Toronto whenever they lose in the first mm-hmm. round. Uh, it's not <laughs> going to be like that because, yeah, the Raleigh media market is very, very different than the Toronto one. Mm-hmm. And the Hurricanes did set franchise records for wins and points this season. Yeah. You also have Freddie Anderson likely going to be a Vesna finals. You had... Mm-hmm. Freddie and Auntie Ronta win the Jennings Trophy this year. So I don't feel it would be regarded as an all-out failure Mm -hmm. like if they were in a bigger market like Toronto, New York, or something like that. But on the flip side of that, the expectations have shifted because it's not, you know, we're just trying to get in the playoffs. We haven't made Mm -hmm. the playoffs in a decade. We're just trying to get back in. It's not that anymore. This team they've established themselves as a consistent playoff team mm-hmm. and it's not a team that's just trying to scrape in 
and you look at the moves they made this offseason. They're pressed up against the salary cap this yeah. year. Because for so, so long with old ownership and old GM, cheap as hell. They did not <laughs> want to spend money on players. And, you know, it was hard to get talent here. And whenever you had a good run, you know, it was because you know, your players played good. But mm-hmm. this year, you know, you've developed your young core. You've developed Sebastian Ajo, Andre Sveshkov, Tavo Jaravine, right. and Jacob Slater. You developed all of your, like, homegrown talent. And then now you've brought in other key pieces to help get you to that next level. You brought right. in, you know, veteran guys that have cup experience like Derek Stefan, like Ian Cole. You know, you brought in those guys and, you know, you went out and made a splash with goaltending. Mm-hmm. I had to eat my words with the goaltending <laughs> this year. I was not a fan of trading Alex and because so long, they struggled to find a long-term answer in net. You know, once Cam Ward's prime ended and injuries were catching up with him, he was just getting overplayed, having to play through injury, and he just right. wasn't looking like the Cam Ward of old. And, you know, they struggled to find that. You know, Scott Darling didn't work. Eddie Lack didn't work. You know, the list goes on and on. Right. Yeah, you had Peter Mrazek. Uh, Curtis McElhinney, James Ryan. Yeah, those guys, but they were never a long-term answer. You had Ned, who was a guy you drafted, developed in the AHL. He came up, called a finalist, you know, and you know, absolutely killed the season. Then you go out and trade him, and he signs for less in Detroit than what he was asking for here, which wasn't much either. <laughs> yeah. So I was you know, kind of the feeling of keep Ned, maybe bring in one of the guys, maybe bring in Freddie or Ronta, and you know keep you know, Ned, you know, as your long-term right, right, right. Uh, to carry the franchise. But, you know, they traded him. They made their moves that they made. And now this year, you got a Vezina finalist in a Jennings-winning tandem. So right. I think, you know, you look at all that, the Hurricanes, you know, their money ball tactics, I guess you would call them. Yep. They, they worked out this year. And they're expected to make a run. With all the moves that they made and it didn't blow up in their face, they're going to have to make a run. They got to get past the Bruins. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really big expectation because of what we said earlier, how the Bruins knocked them out in the bubble, knocked them out in the conference final. And having been that team that the Hurricanes can never really get past, you know? Right. I think that's a big expectation. I really think that this team, you know, I really think they need to make it to at least the conference final. I do, uh, because I feel if they get knocked out in the second round again, like they did last year, while it wouldn't be viewed as an all-out disappointment and Mm -hmm. a failure of a season, I do feel that they, at that point, they didn't meet expectations. Right. Because the guys have said, Jordan Martin said the other day, that their expectations are different now. Right. They're expected to go and go on these runs, not get bounced in the first two rounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's really interesting. It's definitely going to be uh, a fun series to watch, I think. And before we talk about some swing players or key matchups to watch, a quick word about uh, Built Bar. Summer's coming. And this summer, you're going to need some food on the go. Built Bars are the perfect snack to take with you on family vacations. You can throw them in your bags, in your kids' backpacks, 
make sure that everyone has a bar so that you're fueled for your summer adventures. The best part about Built Bars is they're healthy and delicious. You don't have to sacrifice good tasting food for health. With Built Bar, you can have both. And it's so easy. All you have to do is go to Built.com and order now. They have so many delicious flavors like banana cream pie, raspberry, double chocolate, so many more. Uh, the thing with Built Bar is they make it delicious first and then make it healthy. I don't know how they pull it off, but they do it every time. Uh, they're all delicious. New flavors coming out. So check out Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Uh, Jared, I wanted to ask about, uh, we're going to talk about like guys who could swing the series or uh, things like that. I wanted to talk I don't know if you were going to mention him at all, but about Max Domi, a guy that the Hurricanes picked up before the trade deadline. I think like right at the trade deadline. Do you think he was a guy that was picked up perhaps with the Bruins in mind? Some guy that could get under their skin or kind of mix things up that way. The Hurricanes so talented, so loaded, not necessarily known for kind of mixing it up per se. Do you think Domi might be able to fill that role? Yeah, I do think he can fill that role. That Really, until as of this past, the last week and a half, two weeks of the season, I wasn't a fan of the trade. I felt that he <laughs> yeah. was meh at best, and you know, he did more harm than good when out on the ice. Right. Uh, but you know, during these past you know, like week and a half, two weeks of the regular season, I feel you know, he really started to play a lot better. I don't know mm-hmm. if it was learning the system, getting comfortable here, or, or what it may be, but he did start to improve his game, which was good, especially heading into the playoffs because whenever they brought him in, they didn't ship anyone out. Mm, So, you know, rather than having the one extra forward that you had all season long because you kept Seth Jarvis in the NHL rather than sending him back to juniors, uh, now you have two extra ones. And Mm -hmm. they've been pretty adamant about having Domi in the lineup. Again, even if he has had been doing more harm than good, they're still keeping him in the lineup for some reason, given Rod and all of them, they knew more than I do. They knew more yeah. than you do. So, <laughs> But it, it didn't feel like it was the smart decision, but it, they really started getting hot at the right time, same with Domi included. And I do think he can bring a level of grit and – uh, physicality that I think will be very necessary uh, in this series because I think we all know, you know, I know, our listeners, uh, this series is going to get nasty. Yeah. Uh, because of that playoff history that these teams have. And then you look back to the regular season, how the Hurricanes, frankly, embarrassed the Bruins yeah. during the regular season. That emotion is going to be there for you guys. For sure. And that's going to be something that kind of drives the Bruins, I feel. Mm-hmm. And I think Domi is going to be there you know, to help kind of get under the Bruins' skin uh, in the last game against the Islanders. After the uh, final horn sounded, him and uh, who was it? I forget who it was that he got into it with, but an Islanders player was going after him after the uh, final horn sounded, oh, and Domi was just smiling and laughing the entire time. <laughs> so... Like, I do think he's going to help in that regard. 
Uh, I do just hope he kind of cleans up his game, not in the fact that you know, he's a dirty player or anything like that, right, but, right. you know, don't make stupid passes uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, don't make dumb plays. That That's my big thing with him because that was something he was doing. And we're going to have to see how it goes. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think, you know, you got – there's one matchup that I'm really looking forward to in this series. Yeah. They, get, they do not like each other. You look back to last year's playoffs when he was in Nashville, and that is Eric Paula and Martin Natchez. Oh, wow. They do not like each other. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they got along when uh, Eric was here in Raleigh, but whenever they were playing last year against Nashville in the playoffs, those two were going at it all series long. Interesting. They do not like I forgot them. about same that. In the reg- same in the regular season as well uh, last year. Those guys, they were constantly going at each other. Heck, this year as well during the regular season. That That's going to be a very interesting matchup, and I think you know, if Paula can really make Natchez mad, and like, uh, I think that is something that could simultaneously work in your favor mm-hmm. or really hurt you. Interesting. Because, yeah, if he gets mad, you know, maybe he make gets too emotional, makes a bad play or something mm-hmm. like that, or he just says, "Screw it, I'm gonna go down and score a goal or, or something yeah. like that, and just you know go off." I forgot about that. I forgot that yeah, that about that matchup and that kind of angst that's there that could uh, that could make for some good entertainment as well. Halla has become very important for the Bruins this season. You know, filling in on that second line center role, and um, he could be a guy that turns the series. I think a guy for the Bruins that. A lot of people, a lot of Bruins fans have been down on all season long. That could make a difference is actually Nick Felino. You know, he was signed for a couple years, three point eight million, very low impact offensively uh, this season. But um, the last couple weeks, you saw him really kind of doing those extra things that make you successful in the playoffs like those extra efforts to to dig the puck out get it out in front and for me he's a guy that is later on in his career he's looking to win you know Bergeron specifically reached out to him to bring him to Boston and I think he could be a guy who becomes kind of a different player in the playoffs than what we saw in the regular season. And and I really think that, um, you know, it's easy to say like Taylor Hall could be a guy that turns the series or David Pasternak. Uh, But I think it's going to be kind of those third, fourth line guys that that are really going to make the difference in the series either way for, for each team. Uh, Yeah. Because the hurricanes third line, uh, Nino Niederreiter, Jordan Stahl and Jesper Foss has been, yeah, that's their crazy. best line all season long, and I think yeah, you know, yeah, you know, our key guys are heating up at the right time. Yeah, you know, Sebastian Ajo, Vincent Trocheck, mm-hmm. Seth Jarvis, Andre Svechkov, all heating up at the right time, which is great. But yep. like you said, you know your third, fourth line guys. I think yeah, I, I think that those are going to be a really big deal. Again, our third line's best season. Uh, best line all season long. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you look at our fourth line. You brought up Max Domi earlier. He's 
tends to be at his best kind of down there uh, rather than playing on like the top two lines. Uh, so I think they're kind of going to keep him there. You have Jesper Kotkaniemi, again, a guy that was heating up at the right time. Mm-hmm. And you got Derek Stepan, uh, Stephen Lawrence, and you all those. I think those depth guys are really going to be big. I, I yeah. totally agree with you there. And, of course, you know, the top guys, of course. Yeah. I think a key matchup for me, I think the goaltending is obviously going to be key, but I look at, like, uh, Charlie McAvoy and Tony D'Angelo on your end. Like, which guy – both guys have the ability to, to play, obviously, solid defense, to play uh, or chip in offensively. I think whichever one of those two players is able to put it together at both ends of the ice – that's going to be a huge uh, differentiator between between these two teams. They're both kind of in the maybe not Norris, you know, finalist conversation, but they're both top ten, possibly top five. Uh, I think that's going to be a huge matchup. Which guy can kind of uh, limit the opposition offensively and also kind of turn things around and be a positive at the other end of the ice? What do you think about that matchup? Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Tony, you know, he's had a really good season offensively. You know, I'm not a fan of him you know, for <laughs> off-ice reasons, but yeah, yeah. on ice, strictly on ice, yeah, he has had a good season offensively. But what worries me there is his defense mm. because he has had some pretty critical lapses. Okay. And uh, one I've went back to uh, really since it happened was when we were in Pittsburgh. Uh, he just kind of abandoned Sidney Crosby. Oof, yeah. And then Crosby just went down, scored a goal. You know, and just stuff like that. And then there's been other lapses, you know, where he could have, you know, reached out a little bit more and potentially blocked a shot, but he didn't. You know, right. little things like that. Almost Russell Westbrook-esque, you know, defensive effort sometimes. Yeah, Oof. not that bad. But uh, I again, that's a bit extreme. (laughs) But yeah, he he could be better defensively. uh, But I do think one thing that also works in his favor in that regard is that he's also paired with Jacob Slavin, right? Who is arguably the best defensive defenseman in the entire NHL. Mm -hmm. So I do think that is something that will help tony as well and maybe hide some of his shortcomings in this series because of just how good jacob slavin is yeah that's huge for sure i think uh i think that kind of brings us to the um prediction part of the of the podcast what are you what are you thinking in terms of uh how the series is gonna go so obviously i'm gonna say the hurricanes are gonna win this series (laughs) uh but i I don't think you know, it'll be a sweep or anything like that. I think this is probably a six-game series. Uh, I could see it going five games you know, if the Hurricanes are able to replicate what they did in the regular season. Yeah. But like I said earlier, I feel that the Bruins, they're going to remember that regular season series and how they got outscored mm-hmm. 16-1 to or yeah. whatever it was. I think they're going to remember that. And I think that is going to be something that uh, gets them at least one win in this series. But I think at the end of the day, the Hurricanes, they are a better team than mm-hmm. the last time we played each other in the playoffs. Uh, and especially you know, if we get Freddie Anderson back, 
right. I think, you know, one thing that'll help him, not only in this series, but just playoffs in general, is that he has a much more balanced and better team in front of him. Because uh, right. Toronto was always one that was kind of <laughs> built for the regular season, not the playoffs. Right. The Hurricanes are a very balanced team, and they are at their best when they're playing you know, a good team game. Everyone up and down the lineup is chipping in. Right. And you know, they have a much better defense in front of them than in Toronto. So I think you know, if he's back, you know, I'd say you know, maybe a five-game series. If he's not, I would say a six-game. Right. This one's a bit tough for me. I'm going to you know, be a homer and take the Bruins as well. If you look at the regular season matchups, it'd be easy to say like Carolina in four. Uh, you know, one of those games they uh, – played terribly was that Willie O'Ree night as well, which was pretty embarrassing. I think Tugarask was in that one of those games. Obviously, he wasn't at full health. Um, I think if you look at the Bruins in a vacuum against the Hurricanes, no chance. But if you look at the Bruins kind of as a whole, how they've been playing since January 1st, adding Hampus Lindholm on the back end, um, and... You know, their underlying numbers, I think they do have a chance in this series, especially if uh, Anderson is not well. And, you know, looking back at 2019, even 2020, I think the Bruins' depth up front is even better than it was in those two years. Uh, The decision to move Pasternak to the second line, they have two kind of number one lines right now. Uh, and some good balance on the third and fourth lines. Um, I think where it could turn is if Carolina takes advantage of Boston's third pairing defensively, which not incredibly strong with Derek Forward and Connor Clifton. I think that's a huge area of concern for the Bruins. But going back to kind of that experience and... Uh, Bergeron playing at the top of his game. I think he arguably the best player in the series on either side. And uh, I'm going to say Bruins Bruins in six. Let's go with six. They're going to win on win on home ice. Uh, but that's a very, very uh, – <laughs> I would not be – I wouldn't be surprised either way if it's like a sweep, go seven, anything in between. I think this, this series is pretty good. I, I wanted the Bruins to kind of – face Carolina just to get out of the metro or the Atlantic bracket, you know, going through Toronto and then Florida. That's a mm-hmm. nightmare. Um, but yeah. I think it's going to be a fun series. And, and I think you reminded us that it's, it could be a very, uh, a very chippy series as well, which, which is always fun. You know, the NHL mm-hmm. wants to build these rivalries in the divisions and uh, Boston Carolina has somehow, Come a, a bit of a sneaky rivalry as well with all these playoff meetings recently. So I think it's going to be fun. It's going to be yeah, pretty fun I, either way. Yep, I agree. I 100% agree. Uh, I think it's going to be a really fun series. And I think it's really going to be one that is kind of going to be one that I think a lot of people, you know, as of right now, they're like, ah, you know, that as a Carolina series, they're, they're winning that one. Right. But I think, you know, once it like gets going, like that series is, is going to turn some heads because mm-hmm. of 
you know, again, the history of this teams yeah, in the playoffs, sure. the uh, history in the regular season, that emotion carrying over. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's going to be some really good matchups here. I think it's going to be sure. one that a lot of people, once it gets going, are going to be tuning into. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, Jared, yeah, this was great. Maybe we uh, will catch up, say if it's like 2-2 after four games. We should definitely uh, check in again and uh, tee up the rest of the series. But um, in the meantime, people can be sure to find all the latest on the Bruins at the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. Follow me at ENC McLaren. And uh, remind everybody where they can find you as well, Jared. Yep, you can find the show on Twitter at LO underscore Hurricanes, myself on Twitter at Jared Ellis underscore 96. And the show is, of course, going to be available on all streaming platforms, wherever you're listening to this, and on YouTube. Exactly. All right, well, let uh, let the better team win. I'm excited to uh, see how things shake out beginning tonight, Monday, game one in uh, in Raleigh. It's going to be it's going to be pretty fun. Thanks a lot, Jared. That was that was fun. It was fun as well. Thank you.